Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hello and welcome to this Caregiver Life podcast. Today, we, Jennifer McIndae and I have a guest. We have Colleen Johnson with us and she has agreed to come on and talk to us about um, her caregiving experience. And specifically, we're gonna focus a little bit on the, the concept of help and how she's discovered help in her community. And um, maybe you can even share with us a little bit about how, how people um, can help you in return. I think that's one of our most challenging questions that people ask us is, how can I help? It's huge, It's like this huge global question. But first, if you would tell us a, um, a little bit about your care recipient, and then um, we'll go from there. Yes, thank you, Mary, and thanks, Jennifer, for having me. Um, my name is Colleen, and my care recipient is my husband. And he is a pre and post 9-11 veteran uh, who has visible and invisible wounds. And especially from his last deployment to Afghanistan in 2014. He was in the uh, the Delaware National Guard during that time. And that redeployment home with some invisible injuries really taught me what the word help meant. Hmm. I think for, um, we have a lot of listeners who are veteran and military caregivers, but we have a lot who are civilians as well. And um, can you expand on why that particular deployment, which means your your husband who was active duty at the time was sent to another country um, to a combat zone? Can you tell us what it was about him being gone that pushed that home for you? Uh, yes, and I apologize to the listeners for automatically going into the military <laughs> okay. jargon. Uh, it, uh, really, uh, during the, that last deployment, he was sent to Afghanistan. So as a family, we lost uh, our rock, our mountain. My husband is, uh, for our three boys and myself, really is in grained and entrenched in our family as a leader and someone who really um, looks after us as our little family. Uh, And he went away for a year. And so naturally that upset the family balance. My sons who are uh, adults are wonderful, um, though really missed their dad and missed missed that opportunity to really spend that day-to-day and weekly contact with them. And our community supported us uh, because deployments are um, all part of, especially a National Guard deployment, you lose your citizen soldier. People that work in your community who might be your firefighters or your police officers or your uh, public works people or two accountants and lawyers deploy and you lose a member of that community. So during the deployment, lots of community help, wanting people wanting to lend a hand, give us support, fly flags, enjoy um, the celebration of 
our service members leaving because I think as a community you celebrate the support that you give to um, our military members uh, and then also celebrating their safe returns home. My husband unfortunately though he looks very able-bodied um, did not return home in a in the same state that he left. Um, I think a lot of our listeners who are caregivers can relate to that whether it's because their loved one served time overseas in the military or maybe they were in a car accident and suffered a, a traumatic brain injury or even had a neuro have a neurological disorder like ALS or Parkinson's that personalities change and so we're left in this dynamic as the family member um, where we have caregiving roles and then we also have that that familial role that relationship and it really changes it's a significant change. Yes, my husband's traumatic brain injury and multiple traumatic brain injuries over the course of about 15 months was uh, significant for us. We noticed that he came home a different man. The attitudes changed and uh, personality changes. And at first you think, oh, it's you can wish it away to uh, everyday life or changes in, in aging, but when you really start to look at the, the changes uh, and start to investigate and talk to doctors and get involved in caregiving, you really see that the significant changes that um, a brain injury has on an individual. So Colleen, it really how did, you, um, how did you get help? So for our listeners who aren't totally aware of when uh, Colleen's talking about National Guards, you, you did mention that there are citizen soldiers in, in every state, yes. but you're not on a base. You're not like my son um, has been with the 3rd Infantry Division. He's been with the 101st. Um, and so he's been on a base. Now he's not on a base. He's down teaching ROTC. He's still active duty. So, so if he came home from, for some reason, they deployed him from there. And their community, they, they don't have the support of a military installation. How, that's always a, um, an issue with National Guardsmen. And I think when we think about um, our civilian caregivers who also notice things wrong, with their loved one, that could be a TBI, maybe, or maybe it's like a small, they're having, their loved one's having small strokes. You had to also seek help like they have to seek help. And what was that path for you? Oh, I absolutely turned to my civilian primary care physician immediately because he came home and the transition home for a National Guardsman is different. They are, um, a lot of times really rushed through a demobilization station or a, a military installation where they are checked quickly. And most of the time, every soldier uh, wants to get home as quickly as possible. So they'll say, yep, I'll be released to my state for follow-up and to VA for VA care. Uh, and my husband was one of those. Uh, little did we know he had reported injuries um, that didn't get transferred to me as the caregiver or the wife. They were kind of floated out there for almost two and a half years before we found that paperwork. So we started with our primary care and thankfully we had a great primary care because it took us about a year to get into the VA. So the help we received from that primary care physician was extraordinary. He took the time to listen, he asked questions. A lot of times it was explaining the jargon of military and the uh, um, impact of combat because he was not 
combat trained, though, though trauma informed trained, but not combat trained and understanding. And it really was reaching out to each of those individuals. And I spent the first year in civilian health care um, while unfortunately it was 2014 and the horrible um, concerns of with, around the nation about the VA, about lists and waiting lists and appointment times and delays. And we unfortunately fell into that, that time frame. So it took us about a year to get into um, the VA, who um, is very supportive now. Um, though for people that we don't have to translate um, words and acronyms, to, they understand that path. But it really was the help of that uh, initial primary care physician who tried to help us figure a path out. Um, and for uh, other caregivers out there in the civilian world, who um, might get frustrated. I, I, find, I found that the more I slowed down and asked for help and came back and asked for clarifying questions uh, and really approached the information that it was very new to me. And though I may have understand it in general, I don't understand it, my husband's specific issues. I that think was, that's really good advice. You know, the slowing down as caregivers, we go really fast generally. And uh -huh. um, a lot of times, um, pro clinicians and community support will tell us to calm down. But I rarely heard somebody told me, tell me to slow down. And that's uh -huh. probably the thing I need to do the most often. I agree with you, Jennifer. And I, I really, um, I, I even caught myself in this conversation starting to speed up, you know, my voice and you know, <laughs> the, the, the angst of, of the memories of things. But mm. I really think that the, the time that I said, okay, I don't understand and laid it all out. And we had, we were very fortunate in our, even in our civilian uh, network that we had the ability to secure message the doctor. So he said, go home and ask your questions and, and um, of, your, of the, yourself first, say, okay, what do I want to know? And then write them down for me. And so we started that conversation and that was very helpful. Uh, and it really helped me overcome the barriers of asking for help. And uh, it allowed me to realize that questions, uh, you get other questions sometimes and that's okay. Uh, and that the team, of, of people, myself, uh, my husband even, uh, and his primary primary care, and then his specialists, were really all in this together. Uh, and then people who weren't in it together with us, who may give us a little bit of pushback, uh, that's when I really slowed down with them um, to see where the pushback was. Was it from our position or from the individuals? Maybe they just didn't understand. Uh, and that was that was helpful. Um, not perfect by any means, but helpful. So, so I think I hear you saying that uh, you built a good team. That that people who were maybe not as your specialist, who is not as on board to begin with, that you invited them into the team by asking them the questions that you needed to have the answers to. We need to have good uh, healthcare teams in order to be good caregivers. We are not islands unto ourselves. 
So for people who are new caregivers or maybe frustrated caregivers, that's something to think about. If the, and it happens. There are sometimes, over all the years that I've been a caregiver for my husband, maybe there were two providers. That's over 26 years. Maybe wow. two providers that I was, I was actually offended by them. And I never went back to them again. But he's been to you know almost every specialist under the sun. So I think that that's not really a bad percentage, <laughs> not yeah. great team, oh. team members, but I do feel that I can always message his providers and ask the questions. But I do agree, slowing down is such an important piece to it because you do feel in a rush to get answers. It's kind of scary when you're not exactly sure what's going on with whether it's your, whoever it is that you're caring for, whoever's special in your life. I also think that it's um, it's worth noting that um, the right team isn't always the first team, mm -hmm. and even in the even in the veteran space, but even in the civilian space, no matter where you are, you have the right to get a second opinion, and you have the right to change providers if they're not if they're not giving you the team feel that you need, and you know I've experienced that personally um, as the caregiver seeking help. Um, when I was experiencing crisis and my primary care doctor at the time diagnosed me with high blood pressure and was treating me for that. I didn't know the right things to ask. I didn't know how to ask for any more help than that. And she, she was not, um, I think educated enough on caregiver stress to recognize that what I, I critically needed was, um, mental health support, some alternative therapies like yoga, mindfulness, uh, meditation perhaps would have helped me. Um, and so I think it's important for our caregivers listening to remember that when they go to their primary care doctor, they need to be as tenacious as they are when they're there for their care recipient. I agree, Jennifer. And I also think that as a caregiver, it's okay to say to someone that you love and trust in your family, not, not your care recipient, but a friend, uh, a loved one, uh, a trusted um, member of your community to come along to help you in the, uh, uh, for the appointment to say, I need some help. I might not be able to take all of this information in. You're reversing the roles in, in a way um, and asking for a caregiver yourself. And I've had, I've had that happen in my journey. I had um, burnout and I had my mom come along and I told her, I do not believe I'm going to be able to, take in all the information and you may have some valuable input to the conversation and I would love for you to come along. And my mom um, was wonderful and came along and she was very helpful. And she still to this day checks in on me as a, you know, kind of caregiver from a couple hours away, uh, you know, reminds me. And I agree with you, alternative therapies, meditation, um, exercise, uh, all, all benefit your mental health. But even to this day, in some capacity, my mom holds a caregiving role for me to, to check in on me. Um, and, um, and that's different than a, mom, a mother and daughter relationship. She, we actually have a, a, a strong bond to be able to say, okay, tell me what you've done today. Uh, and that's, so I think there's no shame in asking for someone to come along and help you and to see that 
we all can be a caregiver at any time in our life and we can all be a care recipient in any time of our life even if it's for short per periods of time you know you might twist an ankle or you may uh, fall off your bike or uh, you may um, uh, have burnout uh, and all of those need a caregiver in your life in some capacity so that's a good point unless you're some kind of hermit you're living alone <laughs> out in the mountains in a cabin and wearing flannel you hurt yourself then you're the care recipient and the caregiver right. Right. And i want to go to that mountain right now <laughs> <laughs> go do yoga on the mountain yeah. um, i think that's such a great point i we i had a point in this year in february when uh, my husband was very very sick and had emergency surgery and I, I had the kids come. He was that sick. I had the Red Cross get my son out of um, his, his duty as a drill instructor at the time. And they came and uh, after my husband had surgery, my son took care of my little broken heart there and said, you need to go home and I'll stay here. I've got him for tonight. And he actually filled that the shoes of a caregiver for me. He said, you're exhausted. You've done this night after night. You've stayed here and I've got this. I'm battle trained and I can take care of dad. And it's, and I think it was one of the first times I really felt that from one of my kids. And I, I turned it over to him, even though my husband preferred that I stayed. I said, no, nope, I'm going to go. He's right. I got to go. I got to take care of myself right now, or I'll be no good to you later. Bring up such a good point. At any, at any time, we could be a care recipient. We're all human beings just because, you know, our spouses, our children, our family members have served doesn't mean that we can't be care recipients as well at some point. And there's so many people listening who are probably saying, well, um, I take care of my husband who has Alzheimer's and I have diabetes, right? So they're almost having to care for themselves and that's a struggle. But support is there if you're looking for it. I would I did a little background check on you (laughs) and I saw that you um, were part of the Rosalind Carter Institute for Caregiving and Rosalind Carter's Institute is a broad-based caregiver network and support for military and non-military caregivers. What was the program that you went through at the Rosalind Carter Institute? I went through their Operation Family Caregiver Program. So it was a a program where I was matched with a peer for a six month period. And we checked in regularly, I would say probably once every week or two weeks, depending on the schedules uh, of both individuals. And it really was a time of fellowship, of resource, of education, like a psychosocial education, challenging me to see where I was at that moment, where I could grow and um, and learn, and maybe in some of my areas of growth. You know, I, I don't want to say that things that I um, are good or bad, but it really was areas that I had some strengths in. How can we make those uh, better? And then those areas of opportunities where I might have some weaknesses or some maybe even um, my own deficiencies where, where I could build myself up to be stronger or learn how to ask help for those um, and, and that was really great because there are some things like I am horrible at home maintenance. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, how did you um, fix that? Give us the clue. <laughs> well, uh, it's not perfect, but I got myself a contract from the house to help. Uh, I pay a monthly fee so that if something breaks down, I make a phone call. That's smart. Home warranty. Yes, the home yeah. warranties. They're amazing. And our local community, it's a lot of our local businesses, so they really love to support that. So I knew that if something big happened, um, and I also had some of my neighbors, you know, as they found out about Tom's wounds and illnesses and injuries, they started to ask me. And I didn't know what to do. I felt like, oh, I should be able to handle this all myself. And I sat down one night in one of those slow periods when I wanted to slow myself down. And I said, okay, people are asking me for, to give help. What do I do? And I thought to myself, you know what? This is a way that people express love. And where am I standing in their way of expressions of love in their community. And by not giving them either something to do or accepting the offer of to mow the grass or to trim the bushes back or uh, little tasks that uh, seem little to them but huge to me, I was really kind of standing in their way of showing love. So I, with my neighbor one day, he asked, oh, would you like me to trim that bush back? And I said, yes. Well, he lit up like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> You know, and I saw the energy that he gave it and the love that he had to do it. And so each time someone asked me, I kept that in the back of my head. Is like I remembered that this was a way that someone could show another community member love. And so I've kept that uh, as the years have gone on. And I've and I've even done it for my I do it for my own neighbors. You know, we have um, a whole mix of we have a a little traditional neighborhood that we have everybody from zero to a hundred in the neighborhood. And um, we do different things for each other all the time. And I really make sure that I ask to, to help someone, but then I also accept the offers of help. That's a good trick that you have there. Remembering the feeling that you had from the other person, from the giver's joy. You know, when we decline someone's help, we take away that opportunity for them to feel important and for them to contribute. And so it's smart. Remember the way that you felt about how the other person, mm -hmm. what the other person got from the experience. Yes, it, it was impactful. And, uh, and I learned a lot about my neighbors and a lot about my community members, things that they like to do. They would also tell me things that they didn't like to do, like, you know, the, 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 especially the older couples, the, the wife would send the husband over and he would be thrilled because it was either do the dishes or <laughs> come over and trim bushes. And he was thrilled to trim bushes because he doesn't like to do dishes, you know. So he was able to, uh, to celebrate something that he loved and, um, and, and really contribute. And, and really, you could see even the lightness in him and even other people, um, children as well. Um, I think thing. that's, I think thank you such a great point of um what people can do to help you because people will say how can i help and you almost don't know as a caregiver mm -hmm. like do you want to do my laundry you want to <laughs> i need my lawn mode i could go i need somebody to go food shopping but you know we really can't have them do all those things you know so what is somebody willing to do i think that's really the great offer like 
if you need help mowing your lawn, I'm the guy, give me a call. Or, I'm the girl, give me a call. Or, you know, if you need to, you know, get your car washed, you know, give me, give me a call. I love washing cars and I'd love to do yours for you. Or somebody offered me this morning, um, her husband is retired from the Marine Corps and Tom was a Marine and I was at yoga. I was doing a private session and he's in the, he's retired something in the Marine Corps and goes to the Marine Corps League here in North Carolina. And she said, if your husband wants to go, my husband will pick him up. And I said, only if he wants to drive the van, Uh (laughs) he needs to go in the wheelchair. I mean, you just put it right out there that it has to be in the wheelchair and you have to use the van, but that would be, if that's the help you want to give, I'll ask Tom and, and we'll see where it goes from there. But that's such a nice offer when people make the offer that they're willing to do. So we're, we're sort of not feeling that we've asked them to step out of their comfort zone. Cause we don't want that either. We want people to be able to give what they can give and feel good about it. And we want to feel good about receiving it. Oh, absolutely. It's, I think one of the most difficult things a caregiver sits with when they think about help is they don't want to be a burden on anyone. And I think when we think about letting people celebrate what they're good at, that helps lift that burden side and lets us really see the individual for who they are and what they love to do. And I tell you, I've had some of the best conversations that I never expected because I said yes. I'm not uh, sure who said it, who said it, but um, there's I, there's this sort of quote that's you know a challenge. You have to be strong enough to to do things on your own. It, you have to be smart enough to know when you can't, and brave enough to ask for help. Ah, that's a beautiful quote. That's I would beautiful. love. I have to put. I have to uh, Google that and put it on my fridge because. Well, that might you, be a caregiver. Uh-huh. Yeah, that might that might be a caregiver rule. Yeah, yes. let's make that a caregiver rule and we'll share that on our Facebook page. And I think I think we can really wrap this up. I think we really um, explored help in such a great way. I, but I would ask you, Colleen, if you would come back on at another time when we could talk about employment, because I did read that in your background um, that you were an analyst with the VA and, and you had you had a lovely career for yourself. And I think right now we probably would be going, you know, we'd, we'd really be going into depth right now to talk about that. But I would love, you know, we sort of always, when we talk to our caregivers, we kind of have to talk about our care recipients initially and then kind of move that out of the way and dig a little bit deeper for the caregiver so we could see who you are and how you're managing these changes in your life. So I would love to be able to continue this conversation if you are game for it for another, another podcast guesting. I would love to. I would absolutely love to. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on. Jen, any last words? Well, I'd like to thank um, our listeners, of course, for being here. And to everyone that has given us five-star rating, you know, especially on Apple Podcasts, that helps other people find us. So if you've done that, thank you. And if you haven't, it takes just a quick second to tap those five stars and leave your review. Um, I also want to invite everybody to connect with us on social media. So we're on Facebook at This Caregiver Life. You can tweet us. We're just at This Caregiver because, you know, when you tweet, you got to be short and cool. And then, um, Mary, we, we're on Instagram, aren't we? We are, This Caregiver Life on Instagram. Yep. And, and we'll, we'll be posting like crazy in the month of November. 
Yep, November is special. It's National Family Caregivers Month. And if you'd like to contribute in some way to the conversation, maybe even be a guest, email us. You can email thiscaregiverlife at gmail.com. It'll come right to our office and we'll get in touch with you and see how you can help our listeners uh, who are out, just out there living this caregiver life like the rest of us. Yep. Till the next time. Till next time. Mm-hmm.